I'm ready to preach today. I feel like I got a word from God. Um, and, and I feel like today is, I hope, and I, and I, I kind of view it as this, is that we are getting in our proverbial locker room, and I'm just here to pump you up. I am Coach Blaine, and I'm here just to pump you up and then send you out, and then we're good to go. So, hope you guys are ready. So let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for everybody that is in this room, God. And I just pray, um, yeah, God, I just pray that, that, that today, that you would speak to them, God, that there would be a moment with Jesus that they would have, that they would, just, they would just feel your presence and that they would get a true view of who you are. Would you speak through me? Also, would you speak to me today? Um, I feel that, I pray that everybody would leave here encouraged and in full of hope. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, um, so some of you might know, some of you might not know, I lived in Sydney, Australia for two years. I lived in Sydney, Australia to, um, to do what I do now. I went to school there um, to study and stuff, but, but it was an amazing time. I loved it. If anybody wants to go talk to me, I'll tell you where all the places to go in Sydney are. And, um, but there were definitely moments, it was great, but there's moments where I felt extremely homesick, lonely, because I mean, I left everybody, you know, my family, faith, all those different people. And so there's definitely times where I felt extremely homesick. And so there, there were things that I would have to do to try to like fill that void. And the, the worst, the worst moment of it, or like the worst moment of homesickness that I ever thought, and I please do not, I am not knocking this restaurant um, if anybody loves it or if it's like their favorite place, but we drove an hour and a half to get Hardee's, like Carl's Jr. Like we missed, I missed America so much that I went to Hardee's an hour and a half away. Like, and like, not, not like an hour and a half there and back, just for, yeah. It went like Hardee's is so well, like Faith didn't even know what Hardee's was when I was telling her like how I was gonna start off. And I was like, that's probably really good for her though, that she doesn't know what it is. So, but like just like different things that we would do, like um, in my last semester that I lived there, I had a, an amazing group of guys I lived with. We were all from the United States. One guy was from Canada. Um, but like we would just do random things. Like we would um, make kind of like homemade meals. I tried my best shot at it at um, Sloppy Joe's that were really bad, and um, but just like different things that we would try to fill that void of being homesick. Actually, I, would, I ran um, what we call Midwest Connect, and so everybody from the Midwest and the United States, we'd have Connect Group or Life Group with them, and we would just make casseroles and talk about life in the Midwest. So um, yeah, just like things to like fill the void, just fill the things that fill the, the void of being homesick. And um, I guess where I'm going with this is that I feel like that we have a very homesick world. I feel like we have a very homesick world. And, 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 and when I say that, I mean like, I mean we're at church and so the, that homesickness is, is a relationship with God, is that all of us are trying to fill a God-shaped hole that is in each and every single one of our hearts. And, and so all of us are homesick for this relationship with God that we need to have. And so some of us, though, fill it with, me personally, love and acceptance by other people, or maybe it can be success and money. All of us are trying to fill in this God-shaped hole some way or another. Um, yeah, and so we're trying to replace it in any way that we can. Um, 
and so I want to read a story in the Bible today that will kind of explain this. Or we'll kind of explain what we are going through in this world because I feel like today what this sermon is is kind of a response of what we are all seeing happening right now. And so I'm going to read this story, The Tower of Babel, in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. If anybody's seen or heard The Tower of Babel, it is a classic Sunday school story. But it's okay if you don't know. So, now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, we're good, and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and, oh, whatever that means. I'm sure like some mason knows what that word is. Betunium, who knows, for, for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be, stirs, be dispersed over the, whole, over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse, confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off the building, building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And, and from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. And so what we have here is this really, really interesting moment within the Bible. In the first 11 chapters, the fall happens, all these different things happen. And, and then this kind of weird story of man trying to build a tower up to heaven happens. Now, God, in his great mercy, actually stops these people from doing it because we all know if you keep going up, well, it's probably going to fall over at some point. But there is no, like, ultimate way to get to heaven. But the interesting story, the interesting, the other interesting part of the story is that Babel, or we're going to say Babylon, actually echoes throughout the whole Bible. Because Babylon is a city or a moment where man is trying to build a name for themselves without God. And they are willing to do whatever it takes to be able to leave a legacy, to maybe have their identity, or to leave a mark on this earth no matter what it takes to get done. And so, so this can then shifts actually to different civilizations, into different cities, into different places. Like we can see later in Egypt. Egypt's built this massive empire. And, and they will do anything, anything to keep it. Like when they feel threatened by the Israelites, they, they kill a whole generation of babies, Moses' generation, because they feel, they feel threatened by them. They feel threatened by them. And so, so, so Babylon is this kind of the city that is whatever it takes to remain in power, to, to make sure that we leave a legacy, that we have a mark on this world. And their biggest weapon that they have, the biggest weapon of Babylon that they have that echoes throughout all of the Bible and even now through history is the tool of death. 
the tool of death because they had the power they had they had what it takes to be able to kill people and to leave them scared and to make them feel powerless and they would use people to build things they would oppress people that is what this kind of what we are talking about spirit of babylon was is that we are willing to do whatever it takes it doesn't matter who we step on or who we kill but we are going to make sure that we remain in power and that our legacy remains throughout and death is their biggest weapon that they have and let's also all be honest that there is something within us within us that 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 there is almost a spirit spirit of babylon within all of us this 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 longing for or i'm going to leave my mark i'm going to step over people to do it i'm going to make sure that i'm the one that does it i want the glory i want the power all these different things that is within us within us that that, that seems to be striving for that happens and in the final part, the final part and the biggest part of why God was upset with Babylon was, yes, them trying to build this tower that, that would leave a mark on this world no matter what it took, but also because it really, really skewed the vision of who God was. You see, you see, what they were trying to do was to get to God. Because with their talents and with their abilities, they were trying to build a, a tower up to God to get to him, to get their approval, to make sure that, that, that they were accepted and loved. And even to a point where they could, be, they could manipulate God to do what they wanted. And so they were going to get up to him, show them how great they were, and then talk to him and say, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. And, 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 and so what happens is, is that God, God asks that, well, God makes them stop. And so what he is showing in the story of God is not man getting up to him. This is what he's upset about is the story of God is not that man is getting up to him so that he can be manipulated. No, the story of God is that he has come down for us because he loves us and he cares for us. And he's not somebody to be manipulated, but he has a plan and a will for this world that we are to follow. And so that is the story of God is not us with our talents and our abilities getting up to him where some of us have already fallen short of that, is that we think that we can make ourselves way up to God. But no, no, no. It is that God has come down for us. And so God's solution to this is I'm going to make... Don't you guys love this history lesson? This is, so this is the whole background to the blessing of Jesus. So I'm, gonna, I'm setting you guys up for this. So what happens is, is that Jesus creates... Or sorry, not God creates Israel. Because he needs to put his kingdom in the earth to combat against Babylon and their practices. But unfortunately, Babylon is within every single Israelite also. And so this kingdom falls short. And by the end of the Old Testament, you can almost feel this weightiness, this hopelessness, this, this, this feeling within everybody that I don't think that we're going to be able to get this right. And I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where maybe this is going to work out. But now there's, there's, there's whispers and, and thoughts of we might be able to overcome Babylon, but I don't know if at that point they really thought it was possible. But, and, so, and so here is the amazing part of the story. And here's where everything gets good, because I feel like I just gave everybody like no hope, and we're all just sitting here really sad. But here's the amazing part of the story, is when Jesus walks on 
the scene, and he claims to be a king, but not of the kingdom of this world, but of the kingdom of God. And he starts to do everything different than what a king would actually do. Instead of living in a palace away and removed from everybody, he doesn't even have a home, and he lives among sinners, and he hangs out with sinners, and he hangs out with all the wrong people. And instead of using his power to, to get what he wants, he actually serves people, he cleans their feet. Jesus is rewriting the book on what power looks like, and what it is to serve, and what a kingdom looks like, and what a king looks like, and he is rewriting almost history through what he is doing because who he is. And because of what Jesus is doing, all of a sudden darkness gets mad, or the power of Babylon gets mad. And you can see, even while Jesus is preaching, demons start to streak out because Jesus, there is too much light in Jesus, and it has to be confronted. Because I'm also telling you right now that God is a very loving God and a caring God. Yes, that is an awesome thing. But God is also a very, very confrontational God. Because we do not have a God that is not removed from society. No, he will confront darkness. He will confront injustice. He is a God that is for that. We serve a confrontational God. Yes, he is loving. Yes, he is caring. But would he actually be loving and caring if he did not confront darkness? And so we serve a confrontational God. And so you have here is this story of the, 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 the power of darkness and the power of light. That is Jesus, the person of Jesus, walking and talking to the earth, and darkness is not okay with it. And you almost have this, this, these stories where they are colliding, they are clashing, and Jesus is there to remove it. And you can see echoes where Jesus has power over darkness, and he removes demons, and he does these amazing things. But then there's this moment in the story where all this kind of comes together. Where all this kind of comes together. And it's actually this, there's a conversation between the powers of this world, Babylon, which would have been the Romans at that time, and Jesus. And it's between him and Pilate. They actually have a conversation about it. Um, and so we're going to read the conversation between Pilate and Jesus. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus looks at him, or answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. You see, Jesus in this moment is kind of saying, this has been working out for all of history, and your authority, its time has come. And I've even given you this so that I can show that the power of light is way greater than the power of darkness. And so the, the climax of human history that is found now in the cross, where darkness and light face off, where a man that, is a, that has done nothing, that is deserved, does not deserve death, is now sitting on the cross because he is there for all of us. He is there in our place. And so it's the climax of human history. And honestly, it looks like darkness had won. Because death had won again. And it looks like Babylon had won again. Because nobody can outrun death. Because the power of Babylon is just too great. And darkness is just too great. Yeah, Jesus was pretty cool. But in that moment, it looked like darkness had won. And the great weapon of Babylon seems to always keep winning. And that this hopelessness they probably felt on Saturday after Friday night, or whenever time it was, um, it probably really crept into that. But on Sunday, on the third day, on the third day, on the third day, 
the great victory happened. You see, Jesus rose from the grave and he showed that the power of Babylon was no more, that darkness reigns no more, that this is completely over. Jesus now holds the key to death, hell, the grave, that Babylon is now powerless, the Babylon within in the outside world, the authority that it thought it had to rule the world through power and greed and death was no longer back, was no longer there. And Jesus now holds the keys and dark light has finally won. And that is who we serve. We do not serve a dead king. We serve a a live king that is now victorious over darkness and that is what we are celebrating now in this Easter season is that Babylon death hell is no longer running the rule running the world but Jesus now sits on the throne and that is who we serve and so so now we sit in human history now we sit in history where Jesus has beaten Babylon but it seems like Babylon is still echoing through now, that darkness is still around. You just have to watch the news for about five minutes right now, and you will see that darkness is still around. And so what is our answer to all of that? And that is why I just set you up for all of that stuff. So what is, my, what is our answer to this? It's actually through what Jesus actually shows in Acts 2. Is that Jesus dies for you and me. He overcomes death. He overcomes death, and then he sends us out in Acts 2. And so it says this. And I want you to see the parallels here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Does that sound familiar? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they were, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And I want you to hear this list, and just think about who God started his family with. Everybody. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, I'm really trying hard, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome and both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, and we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. You see here in this moment in history is actually the rewriting of Babylon. You see in Babylon, everybody was together and everybody was there, but all of them were for building their, for their own namesake. It is only God that is on the throne. And so what Jesus here is rewriting Babylon to show that you and I, the church, our ancestors in this story, is to rewrite Babylon. And so we have churches, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, now communities where we are to bring light into this world when it seems so dark, when it seems like the darkness is overcoming everything. And so you have people like in the Ukraine who are pastors that are willing to stay and step up and to say, I'm going to stay here no matter how, how dark it gets and to help people around me. That is the call of the church. And it might be look different in Madison, Ohio, and it might look just like just going to city serve and being there for people and filling in the gap and filling the need. But that is what we are here for is to drive back the darkness in this life because Jesus has overcome it. And there is no amount of darkness in 
in this world that can overcome what Jesus has done. And it can be really scary sometimes. But I want you to understand this, is that, Jesus, that even if we die, the greatest tool that de Babylon and death has is no longer even relevant because Jesus has died for us. And heck, I'm just, and I am going home anyway. So, I mean, it seems like that the power of death is over anyway. And so me and you are now called to bring light to this broken world. And it, and, it, and it can look so scary. It can look so scary because of all the things that we see. And it can be so scary because the things that we hear, because it, you hear people say, there's no way we're going to return around from this. That this is so, like just there's so many different things and there's so many different narratives. But the narrative of the church is so much different is that us as a group of people can actually make a difference in this world. And that's what I'm here trying to implore you with is that will you join us in this fight, so to say? Will you join us? And, and if you are scared, I just want you to see this. In 1 John 4, 4, it says this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The, the, the Spirit of God. There's this verse in Proverbs 28, 1 that says this. That the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. And so we are to run into the darkest places. And it's not because... That, the, that, that there is courage within me knows because that Jesus now lives in me and I know that he has defeated Babylon. And so I want you to know that we cannot settle as a group, as a church, is yes, it's awesome. We got our tickets to heaven. But that is not where the story ends. Mm. Is that all of us now have a call to go into this world in the darkest places and to drive back the darkness. Mm. Because we got a lot of homesick people. We got a lot of homesick people that are really looking for the gospel right now. And if the gospel does not work now, when all this craziness is going on, will it ever work? Because I can tell you now that there are so many people that are hungry for Jesus. And maybe you've heard everybody say that they are not. But I can show you so many students that I've interacted with in the past couple months that... They are hungry for God and the gospel, and I would have never thought it. And I don't mean to be, like, like crude. I don't know how to say this, but, like, um, without, like, upsetting people. But, like, like, in our youth group, we have homeschoolers who have a great family. And then you have kids on the other side who have never met their mom and dad because they're both in jail. But yet they come on Sunday night and they're part of the same crew and they meet the same Jesus. And that's what it's all about. You see, both of them face the same darkness and the same sin, but they are meeting the exact same Jesus. And that's what we are here to do. So there is no amount of darkness that can overcome Jesus. And maybe you're also thinking too, cool, cool bro, there's still a lot of stuff going. But that's why the, the amazing promise of Jesus and him coming back and doing away with all of darkness is amazing. In Revelation 21, 3, 21, 3 through 5, it says this. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people, and he's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. Gone. 
All the first order of things gone. The enthroned continued. Look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down. Each word dependable and accurate. God is rewriting Babylon. What people thought that he was, he, we were trying to make our way up to God so that we can make him do things, but this was God's intent all along, was to live with us and to be with us, that we are his people. And so we are not working to get up to, get up to him. No, he is coming down and he is doing away with all darkness, all sin, all death. And that is what we are looking forward to. That's how I know that we can drive back the darkness because it is on the clock. And God is not. And we are not. And so we are to bring light into this world. And if, and maybe, maybe too, today you've never made a relationship with Jesus. That you, you do see in yourself a lot of what I just talked about in Babylon. And I see a lot of it in myself too. But that's what the cross is all about. And maybe you do want to start a relationship with Jesus. And all it is is a simple yes. And he will take you on the greatest adventure you've ever been on. And so you can just talk to any leader or like me and Shane. Um, and we'd love to pray with you and to talk to you about it. So my last question is, will you join us? Let me pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much that you have overcome death, hell, and the grave, God. That you are our victorious king and you are not dead, but you are alive and well. And God, you are on the move in our midst. God, I hope that everybody in this room is filled with hope and courage. And no matter what they maybe see on the news or maybe what they hear in their own lives or what is going on in their family, they know that, that Jesus, that you have overcome it and that you can overcome it. God, I just pray that people would, yeah, I just feel, I just pray that we are filled with hope and courage today. And God, maybe they just, we just need courage just to talk to somebody and just to, just to just start a conversation with those that have been on our hearts for a long time. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.